you have your Bibles with you, you might like to turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, and we'll read God's Word together. And I think that we all know that this is the most important part of the service. This is where God speaks to us from His Word. And it's a lovely passage. It's a real encouraging passage. And it's a passage for each of us to receive for ourselves. Isaiah 55. And it's an invitation from God. And this is what God's Word says to us. Come, all who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And here's the Scottish part for us. And ye who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on that which is not bread and your labour on that which does not satisfy? Listen, God says, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest fare. Give ear, come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations that you know not, and nations that you do not know will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. And we'll pray that God will bless that word to us. When I was thinking about this morning, and I was taking time to close my eyes, and I can close my eyes now and I can picture you all. You all seem to want to sit in the same seats and it's good so I can recognize you. And as I was praying for the fellowship here, this verse came to mind. And the verse was this. <laughs> the verse was they, don't, they who don't have a, a, a vision the people will perish without a vision the people will perish now at the beginning of this year I'm sure that as a fellowship here that you have a vision that God has laid on your hearts what he desires for you to do for him here in this place in Moody'sburn. The vision. If we don't have a vision, we'll just wander aimlessly. We will perish. But God has given us a vision. He's given you a vision. And I believe that part of the vision that God gives to, this, to his church is that we need to go out there and speak to those who are doubters. Speak to those who are unbelievers. You know, the first answer given to the doubter, the first answer given to the unbeliever in Scripture is the only one I suggest to you that is necessary for each and every one of us. When Nathaniel doubted that any good thing could come out of Nazareth, Philip responded with these three simple words. Come and see come and see come and see 
the Lord. And when he did respond, he did realize who Jesus was. He says, teacher, you are the son of God. A very simple question for people out there that we have been sent to come and see. And if we could leave it there, it would be good. We could just go. But what do we actually mean when we say, come and see? How do people see what we want them to see? A beggar came once and sat before me. I want bread, he said. I said to him, how wise you are. And I assured him, bread is what you need and bread is what I have for you. You have come to the right bakery. And so I opened before him my cookery book. And I began to tell him all about bread. And I spoke about flour and wheat. And my knowledge even impressed me. I cited this measurement. I cited this recipe. And I looked up. And I was surprised that he wasn't smiling. I was surprised he wasn't enwrapped by all my knowledge. I just want bread, he said. How wise you are. And I applauded him for that. I said, follow me, come into my bakery and I will show you everything. No other bakery, I said, has facilities as I do. We have bread for every need. Would you like to see more? <clears throat> no, he said. But I would like some bread. How wise you are, I replied. And I took him out to the front of my bakery. And I said, what I'm going to say now to you is the most important thing. Look up and down the street and you'll see many bakers, but my bakery is the best. The beggar turned to me, looked at me sadly, and walked away. Don't you want any bread? I asked. He stopped and looked. And with a shrug of his shoulder, he said, I guess... I have lost my appetite. Come and see. Come and see. But when people come, what do they see? What do we show them? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. What bread is to the hungry, Jesus claims to be to the answer to this world's inner hunger. Now, I don't know if you've ever traveled, but it doesn't matter where you go in this world. If you sit down at a restaurant or at a meal with people, bread will be served. Bread seems to be the staple diet of this world. If the poor have nothing, they say that they have bread. If the rich have everything, they still have bread. You know, it's interesting, bread is not a regional food. It's not a national dish. No country claims to be exclusively the source of bread. Bread is available anywhere, no matter where you go. And Miriam and I have travelled in many parts of the world, and one thing you will always get is bread. 
And so it should be with Christ, no matter where we go, come and see. See, Christ is not bound by boundaries. No country claims him as their own. No region owns him. Christ is everywhere at the same time. You know, fruit are seasonal. Some drinks are drunk only at certain times of the year. But not so bread. Bread is eaten anytime. And so it should be with the Lord Jesus Christ. He should be available anytime. Not only at Christmas, he shouldn't just appear at Easter. He should always be there for folk who come in need. You know, bread, I love bread. One of my downfalls, actually. It comes in many shapes and forms. It can be toasty, you can put jam on it, you can make it into a sandwich, you can take a nice roll. <coughs> bread meets our inner needs. When we bring people to the table and we give them bread, they're satisfied. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we should say to people, come and see what Christ can do for those in need. Now, when you think about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, when you think of it a little bit more deeply, you can see what he means. Just consider bread just for a minute. It grows in the fields with all the other wheat and snares and everything like that. It's cut down, it's winnowed, it's ground into flour, it passes through the fire and then it is given to the people to eat. It goes through every process of life. And that's a unique thing about Jesus, that he, go, he has been through every process of life and so he understands. And that's why we can confidently say, come and see. Come and see the Christ who is the bread of life. Where will this real Jesus be seen today? If you say to the people out there, come and see, what are you going to show them? Where will Jesus be seen? Is this part of our vision to show Jesus? Well, Jesus, quite simply, if you say come and see, will be seen in you and in me. You and I, the scripture says, have been endowed with splendor. We've been born to greatness. Doesn't that excite you? Doesn't that make you realize just how special as a people we are? Endowed with splendor. Not anything to do with you or me, but a gift from God. Born to greatness. Why? So that people might see Jesus in each of us. Not in systems. Not in works. But in me, in me, and in you. The vision that God gives is he wants Jesus to be seen in me. It's a call to greatness. A vision for this year. You know, some people have long memories. I think I've told this story before in 1991. 
the Prime Minister of Israel was Rabin. And he was holding a press conference about the situation with Iraq. Iraq at that time was firing Scud missiles into Israel. And George Bush was the President of America. And he was trying to advise Prime Minister Rabin not to retaliate. And one of the um, reporters at the press conference asked Mr. Bush, uh, uh, Mr. Rabin, what did he think of Mr. Bush's request? And it was reported that Mr. Rabin took a little while to answer. He said there was a twinkle in his eye, and this was his response. The last time the Jews listened to a talking bush, we wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The truth of the matter is the last time that the people of Israel listened to a talking bush they were liberated. They were liberated from 400 years of slavery, born to greatness, being endowed with his splendor, <clears throat> is illustrated in the scripture many, many times over. In the life of Moses, one dramatic and well-known story, God takes a person, a person like Moses, who has lived, it would seem, the same life for the last 40 years. He was doing the same thing, holding the same pattern each day. And then one day, it all changed. And he woke up that morning and he would never have dreamed what would happen to him. And the story is there for our encouragement. The story is there for us as believers that God can come and one day, as we think that everything is just going to be as usual, one day, boom, our world won't fall apart, our world will explode. Listen to what the scripture says. Moses was tending his flock an ordinary day. Robert Young was standing in Moody's Burn Fellowship in the year 2015. You could put your name. You were doing this very ordinary thing that you've done week in and week out. And then Moses responds to God's words. As God wants us this morning, me and you, to respond to his word. Because the first step of being filled with his splendor, of acknowledging this greatness that is ours in Christ, is to say the same words that Moses said. The start of a year, a fellowship saying these words, Here I am. Wow. We're talking about being wholehearted. God wants us to be wholehearted about that response. Here I am. You see, God is still in the life enlarging business. He comes to people like you and I as he did to Moses. And he asks us, will you join me? Will you join me? Will you join me in this great enlarging kingdom business? 
break free, he wants us, from the routine of our day. Here I am. God wants us to be part of the business of bringing people from darkness into his glorious light. You know, when you read the story of Moses, one of the things that stirs God is he heard the cry of his people. And I want to suggest to you, and I've been thinking about this a lot, and it's really got to me. I want to suggest to you, God hears the cry of the people of Middlesbrough right at this moment. Ordinary people, like you and I, and he hears their cry. And what's the answer to that? The answer to that, amazingly, is me. And it's you. Sometimes we forget who we are. Sometimes we forget that there is a people that, is, that are dying out there. And yet God today, and none of us can get away from it, myself included, none of us today can get away from this. God is calling me and you by name. You can't get away from it. And I don't know if I even have the right to say this, but he's calling you and I by name to be what he wants us to be in that dark world out there. There's a lovely story told about a a pastor Highland in the uh, America, and he was a pastor of an enormously large church, but he had one problem, and I can identify with it. He couldn't remember people's names. And he would stand at the door at the end of a service and he would make all sorts of excuses and conversations because he couldn't call the person by name. And one day he was standing at the door and this girl Hazel came up and shook his hand and he didn't remember her name and he said, oh, and and what do you do again? And this was the answer that she gave, a very insightful answer. She said, Pastor, I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a machine operator. Now there's a lady who knew who she was in Christ. And that's part of our call to greatness, to be involved in this great plan that God has to rescue people in darkness. Without a vision, the people perish. Let me give you a terrible vision of the people out there, straight from God's word. We rescue those being led away to death. Proverbs 24. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. You know the Titanic, I was just reading about it recently again. Uh, it's one of the most tragic stories and that's why it's repeated time and time again we know that blockbuster films have been made of it books have been written about it the Titanic was one of the crowning achievements of human technology and it was sunk by an iceberg they say this unsinkable ship disappeared 
beneath the waves in two hours. There were 700 survivors, 1,500 passengers that died that terrible night. And the author of one of the the books that I was reading called A Night to Remember makes this tragic observation. When the boat was going down, 20 lifeboats (coughs) were put to sea. And he said, you can only imagine the people jumping off the boat into that dark, cold, murky water that night. There were 20 lifeboats, half empty. 20 lifeboats that could have taken over 200 people. 20 lifeboats, and out of the 20 lifeboats, only one turned back to save six passengers. Three days later, when the funeral ship arrived from Nova Scotia, they were greeted by a ghastly sight. 328 life-jacketed men, women and children floating in the water, frozen to death. Why did they die? Why? Not because the Titanic sank because people who were already saved would not go back for people who were not and for me that image stays because I wonder if it's an image of where we are today we're safe and yet why don't we go back for the people who are not God has placed us in this place to be doing that We have been endowed with splendor, born to greatness. And that is what makes you and I different. And we must realize that who we are in Christ, if we have accepted, (coughs) excuse me, the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're different. Whether you want to think it or not, you are different because of who you are. Do you believe that you're sons and daughters of the living God? That you've been endowed with splendor? Then you are different. And God wants us, as people who have been born again, to say to him, here I am. I'm a great football fan and I was reading about a coach quite recently who was talking to the press and he said, my professional Uh, football uh, players have a disease and everybody wondered what he was going to say and he said the disease is called me the me disease he said my professional footballers were once great but now all they think about is me and because they're thinking about me they've lost the picture and the devil comes and he's very subtle And he'll cause us to think about us, us, us. And when we're thinking about us, we're not thinking about our call to greatness. Our call to greatness. I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a next door neighbor. That's my prayer. Cleverly disguised as a next door neighbor. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 15, Paul issues this challenge to us. Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. 
I was born in Edinburgh in a place called Leith and I grew up there and part of what I did when I was a young person was I used to go every week either to Tyne Castle or to Easter Road and in those days you, you could get lifted over into the ground for free and I always used to take a sack with me and at half time and then when the game had finished I would go and collect empty beer bottles and you could sell them and it would give you money for whatever. And this one Saturday my friend and I wanted to collect as many beer bottles as we could because there was a very special picture being shown in the state if you know Edinburgh picture house there in Leith. And we went into this picture house and when we went in we were handed a pair of glasses. They were cardboard glasses with two colours of lenses. They were called 3D. I don't know if you've ever watched the 3D film. <clears throat> it's a little bit different now. But when I was growing up, it was a cardboard 3D. And when you put these 3D glasses on, the screen became alive. <clears throat> it felt as if you could just touch out, <clears throat> reach out and touch what was going on. You take these glasses off, and all that you could see was a blurred screen. You put them on and the whole screen became alive. Now when Jesus called you and I to greatness, when he endowed us the splendor, I want to suggest to you, for your thinking, that he didn't give us 3D glasses, but he gave us 4D glasses. He gave us the ability, if we want it, to see people as he sees them. That's part of being born to greatness. That's part of being endowed with splendor. To see people as he sees them. Now here's the shock. Let me tell you from scripture how God sees people. We know that he loves them. He died for them. But here are some other pictures that we sometimes forget. Those, as I've said, being led away to death. Those staggering towards slaughter. Separated from God. People living in the darkness, living in the shadow of death. People lost without hope and without God. Those being punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of God, thrown in to the lake of fire. You see, these are not just words. They're just not some theological concept. We're talking about people out here. People that we meet every day. That's who we're talking about. That's why God has given us this wonderful privilege if we'll take it. Just think about someone that you love dearly but doesn't know the Lord. And then just put a name, whoever it is, thrown into the lake of fire. The stakes are high. And that's why God has given us his vision. That's why God today is challenging us to come and to be part of his mission. Because where will people see the Lord Jesus Christ? 
He'll see them in you and in you and you and you and in me because of who we are and because of our willingness to be wholehearted for Him. I was chaplain at the school in Stirling where I was um, pastor there. And I used to go into the classrooms once, once a week. And one teacher every Friday afternoon, just before the school finishes, had a practice that she called show and tell. And she would pick three pupils every week to bring something from their house to show the class something that they were really proud of, something that they really admired, so that they would bring it and they would show it and then they would tell about it. And I remember one little girl came and she told us about this lovely rabbit that she had that was lovely and white and how she cleaned the hatch out and she did everything. But the teacher said, where is the rabbit? You see, she told us, but she didn't show us. And I wonder if there's something there that we can learn from. You see, it's not this showing or telling people. We need to show them who we are. And when they see who we are, they'll see the Lord Jesus Christ and what he can do. And then the rest's up to God. I close with this fact and it is a fact, that 90%, over 90% of those who come to the Lord and who um, have become Christians in the last 10 years have become Christians through one simple reason, because they saw Jesus in someone else. Now there's a fact endowed with his splendor born to greatness and then let God do the rest it's amazing surely you will summon the people of Moody'sburn that did not know you and they will hasten to you why? because of the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel for he has endowed you with splendor. Here I am. The vision for the year is ahead of you. But I would suggest to you as strongly as I can that part of that vision is to say to God, here and now, here I am. And the simple thing is then, you can leave the rest to God as Moses did. You don't have to try. You don't have... God will then use you as you see fit. But only when he hears these words. Here I am. Let's be quiet just for a moment. Let's close our eyes. And let's respond to God's word the way that you feel that God would have you respond to his word will you be like Moses and say here am I Father thank you for coming into our lives thank you for 
all that you do to us. Thank you, Lord, that you, we have been born to greatness, that we are endowed with this lovely splendor from yourself. May, Lord, we shine for you in this dark world and so seek to glorify you in all that we do. Help us, Lord, to be wholehearted in our service to you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.